So Cindy Lopper obviously had a run-in with a weed whacker at the top of her hair, but to cover it up, we can get some hype. I'm Jackie. Also, apparently, the other side of Cindy Lopper is China, according to the lyrics of her not-hit song at the end of this movie. I'm Sam, and this is Vibes on Stinker Madness. Hello, and welcome to Stinker Madness, the bad movie podcast for bad movie lovers. With you, as usually, is Sam and Jackie, but no Justin. And I think this is the first time that you and I have ever done the show, just you and I. I know. It's like being unsupervised small children with electronic devices. <laughs> there is a chance that we won't talk about the movie once. You will just make poop jokes, and I will just make dick jokes. <laughs> well, well, we have to talk about the movie a little bit, because... Okay. There was some weird business, and yeah, but you know, like overall, you know, I was impressed. I was thinking Cindy Lauper, really? What the hell? But like, it went okay. I guess we'll just get right into this. Yeah, the, tell us the, the BS tell us of what it. You know so, about what the I know about Cindy Lauper, you see her, and you're wondering why. Cindy Lauper. Well, there's a number of reasons why Cindy Lauper's she she's not the classic image of beauty. She's not bad looking. She's most would find completely grating personality wise. But what Cindy Lauper really is is real. Like she is a genuine person. Like that is her. Like even her comedy, it's like a Rodney Dangerfield. I've listened to interviews with her. It's exactly as she is in this movie. She so, just makes those jokes all the time. So was this movie written for her to be in? Yes. This was a vehicle for Cindy Lauper because of her popularity. They would just sort of, the tail end of summer, there's X amount of, you know, slots in the schedule mm-hmm. that uh, blocks say. And they just put shit like this in those blocks. And so they're like, oh, this Cindy Lauper's the flavor of the month. Put her in this movie. Um, what I don't understand is Dan Aykroyd said no to it. But Jeff Goldblum says yes. So was Dan Aykroyd, was he supposed to be the Jeff Goldblum character? Yeah. Well, they could not have called him Stretch then. No. <laughs> they wanted to call actually, him Aykroyd, <laughs> Aykroyd's taller than her. He doesn't have to be. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I guess it was originally written to just be a short character. And those uh, stretcheroo jokes that fell pretty flat were all added ex post facto. Uh, I was curious as to why Goldblum would do this because he had done the fly already. Like. This is the point where he starts to be able to get a little bit choosy about what he's doing, and he did not do that here. <laughs> uh, no. But I will say that there was one spot where he just fucking nails it in this movie. And oh, he's... And it's when he has the machine gun on him, and he throws his head back like, I don't take this shit from you, I'll walk up the mountain on my own, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, he's incapable of not being bloomy. That's the thing. And it's really odd that everyone in this movie is in, is incapable of turning it down from 11. Peter Falk cannot turn it down from 11. Cindy Lauper cannot turn it down from 11. Jeff Goldblum cannot turn it down from 11. They're all on 11 all the time. Yeah. So my dad walked in when we were watching this, speaking of Peter Falk, and was like, hey, are you guys watching Columbo? <laughs> 
Well, I guess we'll just mention that now. Columbo is one of the greatest television shows ever made. And there's no real debate to that. Like, it's just that good. Yeah, he was- Why Columbo? Because it's that fucking good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if I would have said yes, he probably would have sat down and watched the movie. But then Cindy Lauper popped up on screen and he's like, oh, I got to go mow the lawn. <laughs> he beat it. Yeah, it's Columbo's that it's like when I made you watch the first episode of Murder, She Wrote. And you're like, holy shit, this show's good. I'm like, yeah, they don't fucking go on for eight years when they're shit. Yeah. And that first episode of Murder, She Wrote's like, well, this is a really good show. How about that? Well, and you know, I, I, I never realized that he had a glass eye. Or maybe it's not a glass eye, but... It is a glass eye. Oh, okay. Um, because there was a scene where he was, like, moving his eye for comedic relief. And I was like, but the other one's not moving. What the fuck is happening here? And then I started fixating on it for every yeah. scene that he was in. And I was like, I just never realized that he had a glass eye. And it just freaked me out a little bit. He used the eye to maximum effect throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, I guess you would win down in a stare-down contest, for sure. Like, that, or lose? I don't... Boo! Boo! <laughs> Boo! Uh, do, do so yeah, Cindy Lauper, beyond the sort of... She's identifiable to people because of her genuine nature. She also writes most of her own music. She does let the record companies provide her stuff with, like... These are going to be hits. You have to do these songs. She's like, sure. But she rewrites them mm -hmm. because like girls just want to have fun. She was like this. It came to me and it was really misogynistic. So I changed it. And I guess she's got 11 albums now. Is she uh, a feminist? Uh, it she's all in on like all of it. Good. Good. Yeah. She's all in on all of it. And she's, and again, it's like, she's just a genuine person. She's one of the most interesting people to listen to an interview because she's, she never gives up that, you know, lower Queens because it's her, but she's not stupid either. Well, and the last thing that I saw her in was this video on YouTube where a bird pooped in her mouth when she was like, <laughs> doing a concert. Okay, that's wild. <laughs> Everyone stop what you're doing right now and watch a bird shit in Cindy Lauper's mouth. I'm sorry. I have, I have to. <laughs> I just want to be honest with our listeners. And really, you sound like you have the biggest crush on her ever. You're like, I don't. I love I'm you, actually but defending. Grading. <laughs> but if you don't talk, it's okay. Yeah, that's the, I'm I'm trying to like pump up a, a really good person that I just don't get or care for her music or like her music's not bad. I, I there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, she's com arranges most of it too, so it's like she's cool, I guess. I've just never really been much to pay attention to Cindy Lauper or follow her career at all. Like I really until. She was talking about on she was on NPR talking about like how she used to walk the horses out at the horse races and she knows so much shit about horse racing it was like about two years ago I'm listening to this interview and I'm like who is this person and Sandra's like it's Cindy Lauper and I'm like what the fuck Cindy Lauper is like the most interesting person ever I had no idea until that interview and then I started to read about her and it's like this is just like I'm not really attracted to her. I do find her kind of her voice kind of annoying, but it, there's just she's just super interesting. She's a super interesting person. 
Uh, also, she has a four octave voice. Really? And she's an Oscar away from her EGOT. <gasps> she's already won the hard one. She's won the Tony. Oh, my God. So is that an Emmy? She's won the Emmy, the Tony, and the Grammy. She has not won the Oscar. So, But she just composed the soundtrack to a film that's in production. So she's fucking going for it. Good. Because when she gets it and she's up there with her weird colored hair, and I'm just going to be so happy for her. So let's talk about the warlock. Okay, I, you got me. I was going to be like, I wonder if Jackie realizes that that's the warlock. Oh, yeah. So I made this great joke when I was talking to my mom. And because she likes all those movies too, right? Because I, I watched this with yeah. my parents. And because uh, Justin's on some kind of manly, manly camping trip. And I was like, do you think that this is where it all started for him? Like becoming the warlock? <laughs> and I just started laughing my ass off. And my mom was like, oh my God, that is the guy from the warlock. And I'm like, yeah, that's what makes it so funny. And then I intentionally I- didn't look up. To see the other impactful work that Julian Sands has probably done as a serious actor, because I wanted to just call him the warlock and be like, oh, I don't know who he is besides that. He's probably done better things with his life, but on this podcast, we're calling him the warlock. (laughs) Yeah, the warlock guy, because I don't know his name, but I'm like, the warlock, I recognize that man. Yeah. So what else do you have for us? Uh, Is this 1988? Yeah, this is 1988. the director Ken Quapis. That's a. This is his first film. He did like a made-for-TV kids movie, and then a. I think he directed a Sesame Street special before this. He also but sounds his, like an excellent dip. Quapis. Yeah, this didn't do anything for his career, but his next one did, which was him and his wife, um, Marissa Silver, wrote and directed. He said, "He said, she said," where the. Her, it's the same event from two different sides of it. One's from Kevin Bacon's side, the other one's from Elizabeth Perkins' side. And it's his wife directs the woman's point of view, and he directs the Kevin Bacon point of view. And I never watched it, but I've heard good things. I have a, a struggle with the Bacon. Do you have a struggle with Kevin Bacon? Yeah, and I don't know. It's just like his. When we went back and watched Footloose, I was like. He what the fuck? How did this ever become like a cult classic? <sighs> and then you know, like the seven degrees of bacon. Yeah, I just don't know. I feel like one of my ba- one of my greatest Kevin Bacon moments, and it's where I'm at with bacon, is I just don't think I like him. And in whatever uh, X Men. He showed up as Sebastian Shaw. You're like, there's this like big bad guy reveal halfway through the movie, and it's Kevin Bacon. You're like, what the fuck, Kevin Bacon? And that's like the most memorable moment of Kevin Bacon for me is being in the X-Men movie. And it's like, you can't be anybody but Kevin Bacon. I'm sorry. My most memorable moment is when we watched The Invisible Man. And you saw his wiener. Oh, yeah, you did see his wiener in that. And it was like, wow, Kevin Bacon. Way to go, Bacon. I forgot about Kevin Bacon's wiener, so I wasn't impressed. <laughs> you were like, eh, it's forgettable. Yeah. I've seen bigger dongs at the gym. Um, 
from there, he would, you know, get a solid career, and he, he directs Dunstan Checks In with Jason Alexander and an orangutan. Oh my god, yes! I've seen that movie. It is, I have not. It's a... Uh... <laughs> We should... The Beautician in the Beast with Fran Dresser and Timothy Dalton. I have seen that one. Yeah, I've seen that one. I will admit that there was a time that I found the Fran Dresser to be amazingly attractive. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay. Like that red lipstick and her big bouffanty hair. I just, I like Fran Dresser. I think she actually has like a pretty solid eight or nine ass too. I'm I'm thinking like when... She was on the, was it the the nanny? Was that that shit? Yeah, she was on the nanny. She'd spin around every once in a while and be like, oh, yikes, packing heat back there, Franny. I know, like, I don't know. I went through my phase where I watched all of the nanny because I just thought she was so damn funny. And uh, then this guy would do the Traveling Pants movie. Oh, no. The, yep. the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yep. People just fucking love that movie, right? And- I never watched it because I watched the trailer for it and I thought, no, no, women do not fucking do this. They don't give away magical pants so you can get laid or find a boyfriend. There's not magic pants to begin with. Actually, there is. There's like butt pants. Those yoga pants do things to a human body that isn't really what the human body looks like, but it's better, I guess. Um, And then... He's just not into you. He's just not that into you, I think, is another. So he's sort of started making female exploitation pictures after a certain point. Uh, I guess that's got a fan base, too. Did did people like that one? Did you watch that? I didn't watch that. I watched it, and it was... The whole premise of it was... If a male cow mounts a female cow, then he doesn't go back for seconds. This was how they explained it in the movie. Because so like, nobody wants to go back to the same cow they've already banged. But then the sleazoid of the movie goes back to his ex-wife. Huh. And it was like, okay. And then she has a nervous breakdown because nobody likes her. And it was, it was very, um. Wow, go fuck yourself. That, that's okay. That's that's how go. I walked away from it. Was wow, go fuck yourself. That this is a terrible okay. message to send to people. All right. Well, that's really what I know about. The, oh, so Ron Howard had something to do with the backing of this. Mm-hmm. I guess he was able to get his name off of it probably fast enough when he found out how much of a big how uh, how disappointment it was going to be. It cost eighteen million dollars. What in eighty eight? It's a lot. It returned 10% of that budget almost exactly, like 1.8 million. Just not good. Oh, God. Did not do well at the theater. So what about the the um, the monkey at the beginning? Because, you know, I always got to ask about the animal actors. Oh, That's my thing lately. I was going to say that for when he shows up and I was going to make fun of the Mets because they should give that chimpanzee a shot with what they've got going on right now. Yeah. Oh, and. The Mets. So um, I might be wrong, but one of the, the other psychics. The wannabe commando psychic. Uh, was Googie that, Gress. Was that Francis from... Um, nope, it's a guy that looks like him, uh-huh. but it's not him. Oh, well, that's too bad. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what his name is. Fortunately, it's in front of me right now. His name, his real name is Googie Gress, but in the, in the movie, his name is Ingo Swedlin. Oh, yeah, because he's supposed to be Swiss. I, 
his accent was as poorly delivered and completely unidentifiable as any fake accent in a movie I've ever seen. So if he was going for completely uh, mysterious, dubious accent, he nailed it perfectly. Otherwise, he stinks. <laughs> I'm going to go with the uh, first one and, and okay. hope for the best. Yeah. So when this movie opens up, can we can we start talking about it now? I'm, I'm sure I'm eager for this one scene and it opens up on these two dudes walking up a mountain and you're a, not seasoned hikers. Yeah. There is no way these two fuckers got up that mountain. No fucking way. They're like 60 year old men who are so damn out of shape. There's no way one that they're carrying their own backpacks up that mountain. No. And then two, they've only got one llama and the llama's not packing anything. And then a dubious guide who. It was an alpaca, but in that case, it might have been an unpaca. <laughs> but it, the <laughs> so bad. I just totally liked it, though. I'm like, I'm gonna roll with this joke because I. <laughs> it's just so terrible. <laughs> yeah. So right away, I have my doubts about this movie, and then <laughs> they find a crack in the mountain. And I'm just going to say that every single time that somebody walked through this crack, right, in the mountain, mm -hmm. I was thinking, there's no fucking way that they're getting through that crack with those backpacks on. And then some of the actors, I'm like, and there's no way that that person fits, regardless if they take off their backpack. But magically, they always make it through the crack. Yeah, it's maybe it looked smaller, like it's a bigger crack than it appears. Because they all like and even the. At the end, the Googie Grass guy, like, he's in there kind of spinning around. So it's like, it just looks smaller. I mean, it's a crack to a lost city. It has to be somewhat big. I guess. Why would the city be lost on, on the other side of a crack? Because if it, was, it wasn't a crack before, how'd they get there the first time? There were some shifts and some tectonic plates that uh, ah. moved the mountain. And um, the answer is obviously aliens. Yes, I'm because gonna... aliens. Yes, and they have their own psychic circle out yeah. there. Um, I was a little shocked that they shot the guide right away. Yeah, so they go in through the crack. They get to this lost city. They're calling it the. I don't know if they call it the gold room yet, but later we'll identify this as the gold room in the lost city. And they had like a guide that brought him right there. And he's like, no, this is sacred stuff. And so they shoot him. And how lost was it? If that guy knew where it was, it's lost now that he's shot. Probably. I think he was using it as a tourist trap. Yeah. Like come take this day hike with us and, you know, pet this alpaca. And, <laughs> but you have to pack your own shit because the alpaca is on strike. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take you up to this lost city and you can look around at some business. Yeah, hiking was better before the alpacas find it founded the Unpacka Union. Honre <laughs> bastards. Just, I need to let the Unpacka <laughs> die, but I'm not going to. So... Basically, I think this guy is just scamming tourists, right? And he doesn't want them to break open this stone because he's like, dude, this is like the peak of my 
tour, right? Yeah. And you're ruining my business. And they're like, fuck off. You've done your job. Pow, pow. Just shoot him. Yeah. And the one guy's like, I can't believe you shot him. How are we going to get back down the mountain? I'm like, I don't know. Follow the well-worn path that you followed up there. <laughs> At worst, gravity. <laughs> so they break apart this ancient like pyramid tomb thing you don't really know what it is and there's like a pyramid light in there it's magic uh the one guy touches it and starts speaking in tongues the other guy who is michael lerner tries to save him but then gets like zapped the fuck blasted. back <laughs> like yeah he gets like magic blasted and then the other guy just gets like disappeared or sucked into the pyramid or something but now what's really happening is there's just this light that's just on <laughs> yeah. like cuz later in the movie when they come there you can see it it's just like what is it uh, it looks like a fancy light. That's what that looks like. That's how they found their way home back in the day. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, don't touch it. Because. Don't. No. The last guy who, you know, didn't follow the rules about touching the artifacts zapped him. After he hits the ground, we're cut to New York City, I believe. And the chimpanzee that should play for the Mets in real life. Uh, then it's like a psychic center. And they're all in there being tested. The uh, Ingo, Ingo guy is the first one we see. He's getting all of his psychic tests wrong. And then eventually we meet Goldblum and Lopper, who are like the best psychics ever. Right. And she's got a, a ghost pal named... Leslie? She's got six sense powers. She's the same as the kid. Well, she sees dead people. Right. She's got this dead companion that tells her things. And then Jeff Goldblum knows things about people from touching the objects. Yes. So apparently we leave imprints on everything that we touch, people. So it's just not after you masturbate. You got to wash your hands and wear gloves when you're touching objects that you don't want a psychic to know anything about. Yes. Or, but if it's a site, the ghosts are going to find out anyway. So you can't really get away from the, uh, the, the ghost talkers because Lopper's going to find out and her, her ghost bud is Louise. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm on the fence about whether or not this ghost is a nice ghost and I'll, I'll post that, you know, I'll, I'll ask you that at the end. So continue. Uh, Already, we can see the lack of chemistry. Like, Goldblum and, and uh, Lopper are trying, but it's just like, you can tell they're not really getting along. And I think in her memoirs, she said that it was particularly difficult and he didn't seem to be very warm towards her. And I think maybe one of the, because Dan Aykroyd said he didn't want to do it specifically because of Cindy Lopper. And so I think it's two people passing judgment on someone else, like, oh, it's just a pop show thing. They don't, and it's like, you know, maybe there's more to her than that, you son of a bitch. I kind of got the idea. She doesn't do a bad job in this movie. No, her hair is something completely different, and some of her outfits are questionable at the best, but uh, 
it, it kind of seemed to me like they're on and off type thing, right? That they're trying to build throughout this movie. He just seems like if I could, I would push you off the cliff. Yeah. And this movie would be taking a Jurassic Park turn. He's in the new Jurassic Park, I guess. The new, new one? The one that hasn't come out yet. Oh. Was he in the last one? I didn't even pay attention. Where all the dinosaurs were taken off the island and I can't, I don't remember. I don't remember what happened. I just like the one with the dino motorcycle thing. Yeah, that was the- Riding with dinos. That was the first reboot one. Yeah, that one was okay. Uh, so anyway, Jeff Goldblum, Cindy Lauper, they're starting their romance. They also get free lunch out of this thing. Like you go to be discovered as being actual, real, legitimate psychics. And what do they give you? Lunch. And then they come to the table and announce who is the winner of the psychic circle. And uh, it's not the Swiss Army guy. No, that guy sucks. He got all of them wrong. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's able to, like, tell where things are. Uh, Cindy Lauper can talk to ghosts. This other guy actually moved an ashtray with his mind. He did have to piss his pants to do it, but I feel like he should win. Why? He moved an ashtray with his mind. So? I think that's harder, isn't it? He didn't even move it that far. It kind of sort of went out of the circle that it was in. Well, like grabbing a knife and be like, this knife was in a stake. Okay, wow. Tell me something I don't know. Well, he knew that that knife was used to stab her husband in the back seven times. That's pretty That's important. true. He also He could be a crime investigator. That... He could hold well, luggage. He already has his, his apex job as a museum curator because he can, like, touch the things in the museum and know more than the history that other people know. So I feel like he's really apexed his superpower about as much as he can. And she goes down to the horse track and you know, rakes it in. So she's really apexed her superpower as much as she can. The ashtray guy has a higher ceiling. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, but I mean, ashtray guy has to get it together. Okay. One, you can't be pissing your pants. If you're standing in the middle of the street, maybe you can in New York, maybe it's just normal. You know why you focus to make a piano fall on someone. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, what's it going to take to get a bigger object going? And Ashtray made him pee himself. What's going to happen? Like, is he going to like pop some hemorrhoids if he tries to he's move also, something else? He also looks to be about 50. So he's probably really reached the potential of his telekinesis with moving that ashtray. Dude, that's so he probably sucks, too. That's just ageism. If I ever become a psychic and they start testing me and I won't know anything. Uh, I don't know. You know, to be real honest, in this whole scene, I thought that this was just a bullshit, like, like Scientology, you know, where you go in and you hold on to the things and they tell you how fucked up you are. How many dead aliens are inside of you? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, there's lots of dead aliens in you. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And for $50, you can move to the next <laughs> level. So I'm kind of thinking that that's one of these deals when this whole thing is going on, right? Like. The warlock's going to come in and be like, well, you've all got great potential. And for $50, we'll move you into the next realm. Yeah. And it never happens. And then. No. 
And then this whole thing just goes away. Like, okay. I was just kind of a weird way to tell us that they're all psychic. And then there's a lot of movie that happens in between the time before the action starts. Yeah. They... And people are found to be in cahoots that don't make any sense. So after this luncheon, Jeff Goldblum decides to go back to his job and Peter Falk is across the street taking pictures of these people at the psychic luncheon. Because is that what this is? This is a psychic luncheon? Yeah. So he's taking pictures of the psychic luncheon and the warlock's like, fuck you, buddy. And he runs him down. <laughs> and that's, we don't see them again for a while. Yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe this guy's a reporter. This is like kind of like dancing with the stars, but for psychics. And it just really hasn't taken off. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no contest winner. And maybe the guy with the camera is assuming that uh, these are the two, right? Because he didn't walk the other ones out. He was like, get the fuck out. Here's some bus fare money. But he's willing to get these two a taxi. So they must be special. Yeah. Uh, Goldblum, we see in one scene before this, though, that uh, Cindy Lauper's ghost bud tells Jeff Goldblum that his girlfriend is banging another dude as they speak. Yeah. And he's like, no, that's not true. And so he goes back to his job in New York. I guess it's probably just down the street from the psychic luncheon. And uh, do, do we go to his house first or does he just go back to work? I can't remember. I think he goes back to work first because everybody's like, oh, you're back. And it kind of seems like nobody knew that he was a psychic until he was like, hey, I'm going to go on my lunch break to the psychic circle and, uh, you know, see what's up. But now all of a sudden, like the cat's out of the bag. Everybody now knows at work that he can touch objects and he he knows things. And they've decided to just give him a overwhelming sea of bullshit jobs. Hey, come touch, come touch my car. Tell me if the odometer is right. One of the other guys comes in and he's like, touch my fish and tell me if it's fresh. Don't order fish at the cafeteria, stupid. Yeah, it's on a plastic tray. Chances are you're going to spend the rest of the day on the toilet. You don't need to be a psychic to know that one. Yeah. And it still had its if head it, on. If it comes from the cafeteria and it's not Vandy Camps, stay away from it. If it comes from the cafeteria and it is Vandy Camps, you should probably still stay away from it. Well, it only had a little bit of freezer burn. Nobody's going to notice once we put it in the fryer. Where's, where's the kid at on fish sticks? Well, you know, we, we, we're down to our last box, man. We just got to get rid of no, it. No, I'm, I'm asking in real life. In oh. real life, where's where's your son on fish? Because Evie doesn't like him. Oh, he, he likes him. He likes fish sticks? Yeah, but considering that we feed him like shrimp and lobster and crab, right? Like real seafood. We don't eat the Vandy Camps very much. And when we do, he complains that it's too bready. So he doesn't like fish sticks. No, he he likes them. But well, if he's got a choice, right, he's not going to eat the Vanderkamps. That's true. Yeah. He likes okay. he likes well, the ones with the guy in the yellow raincoat. Gordman's. Just the uh, Gordman fisherman. 
Long Island fishermen, yeah. Yeah. We don't eat bandy camps here. Gordman's <laughs> all the way. There's a handsome man on the bag. Oh, yeah? <laughs> the Gordman fisherman. Longshoreman. Smells fishy. Blows in once a month. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I don't have to bathe, and uh, he's not going to bother me. I still do my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, eventually, Jeff Goldblum ends up back at his apartment, and his girlfriend is there, and I was like, ooh, huh. Interesting cast. They have made it so that he would want to leave his current girlfriend for Cindy Lauper. Uh, yeah, she had. Um, woo, she was interesting later. Like that haircut did nothing for her giant nose that looked like a bee. Yeah. And when we first see her, it's a side profile. So they're really hitting this like this is not an attractive woman. Look. And she's got like this old lady bra on and. They've done everything to make her unsexy, but there's a couple of times where she spins around when she's talking that I'm like, oh, they've had to really de-sex because she might not be like super facially pretty. I'm sure they could do something with her hair and makeup that would make her, you know, look super hot because her body is something else. Yeah, she has nice legs. She she had huge boobs, too. Really? I thought they looked a little deflated, but maybe it was the old grandma bra. It was the grandma bra, and you didn't get a view of it until she kind of turned sideways, and you're like, oh, those are, those are, uh, those are D-cups there. Um, but Sandra was watching. She made it to about halfway through with this on this one with me before she's like, I can't do this anymore. I guess she's not a fan of Cindy Lauper. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> but she made it through this part, and she just yelled man hands. At the woman. She's like, man hands. She's got man hands. <laughs> and then she put her hand on Jeff Goldblum's head, which we know has got to be a, one of the larger heads. Mm-hmm. And her hands, like, she can, like, she looked like she was palming a basketball when she touched <laughs> his head. Oh, my God. It's kind of true because I thought maybe it was a man, too, at first. So I just didn't want to say that because I didn't want to be mean. But I, yeah. I was watching well, this travel show and they were talking about Lady Boys and I'm like, that could be one with a red wig. I don't think the Lady Boys, like, if you're like huge like that, it probably is counterproductive to try that out. I'm not sure, though. And I'm I'm still saying, I think that, uh, you know, they do this woman up in a different set of makeup circumstances and clothing or, you know, not noticing her giant hands as much. <laughs> Definitely not going to put the fake fingernails on that one. <laughs> Don't no. want to draw any attention over there. <laughs> uh, but she just kind of matters of facts him when he, you know, touches her underwear. So he touches her underwear and he knows about the hockey player and how many goals he scored that night. And he had like one assist and he confronts her about it. And she just stands up like, so are you going to forgive me or should I just get my shit and go? She doesn't even Yeah, care. and she says like this thing like you were gone and he's like I was at psychic luncheon. That was like a 3-hour lunch and you banged a hockey player. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and she was like, "No, no, I was it it was you were gone and I had a bunch of drinks with my friends and 
Because anytime that you're drinking, that is an automatic golden ticket to get out of whatever fucked up shit you do. Because as an adult, you understand that. As a 30-something-year-old woman, it's fine because I was drinking. <laughs> I can do whatever I want because I was drinking. Yep. And it's like... Had a, had a couple Heinekens, bang six hockey guys, whatever. I mean, you're going to forgive me or what? <laughs> like, that's just kind of like... And he's just looking at her with his mouth open like, I cannot believe you just said that. And she's like, all the memories. And in his mind, he's going, I just met you two weeks ago. The memories of us getting a hot dog at the park together. That's the one I'm going to miss out on if I forgive you for banging a hockey team. Waking up in the middle of the night thinking that you are the grim specter of death with giant hands. (laughs) That memory. So much we're going to miss out on. You leaving the toilet seat up. Yeah, because he goes back to work the next day. He's not busted up about it at all. Uh, at this same time, Cindy Lauper has since we we skipped the part where Steve Buscemi shows up in the movie. <laughs> You're like, oh, Buscemi, what the heck? Yeah, I love that and guy. He's, yeah, he's doing classic Buscemi. He uses her ghost to win some cash and then leaves with another girl. Oh, Good stuff. And this is why I'm questioning uh, the ghost friend, right? Because ghost friend is going to know something's up right she can pick the winning horses she can totally see around the corner that Buscemi is chatting up another lady right and she gives Cindy Lauper's character no warning just lets her walk right into it and what the hell does being a ghost have to do with being able to pick horses uh I guess it's a predictive ghost she's like really into horse racing yeah well, it did predict that the uh, scientist was going to draw an elephant when she was getting tested. And I mean, maybe it's just this ghost's thing, right? It's like, I can see the future, but I'm only going to tell you about the things you ask about. And the ghost is like, but I know that this guy is a piece of crap and I know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to warn you that you're about ready to be humiliated. It doesn't, yeah, I'm, the ghost powers are are questionable at best. Uh, so she goes home after that, and there's someone in her apartment, and she just, like, grabs this double-barrel sawed-off shotgun and kicks the door down to her own kitchen. Yeah, so maybe New Yorkers are super fucking tough, right? Because uh, I don't know. I guess. I mean, the only New Yorkers that I know, they work in the fashion industry and they are not tough people. And they moved out to the suburbs. But most of the people I've met from New York are not uh, the tough stuff. I feel like it's one of those things. There's like bridges that you cross and you get on the other side of that bridge and all of a sudden, whoa, fuck, these people are tough. Yeah. But she also strikes me as being from Jersey. She's not. I think she's from Queens. Okay. So maybe... Maybe they're a little tougher down. I think Queens used to be rough. I have a friend that lives in Queens now. He is not rough. Yeah, I think Queens was rough at one point in time. Probably when this movie was in the 80s, right? Where New York was kind of a shithole. But like, I'm not sure that I personally, if I saw that, I would just like creep back out into the hallway and call the police. And let them deal with it. Like, there's no way I would go in there with the... Okay, I'm going to sneak in and hopefully I can get to the gun before this guy realizes that I'm in my own apartment. 
No, she's stalking him to kill him. She just like comes and she's like, oh, another fucking intruder. Good thing I have a fly swatter for these motherfuckers. And she <laughs> busts her own kitchen door open with a double barrel shotgun. And there we meet Harry, who's Peter Falk. And he's broken into her house to just start eating her food. What the fuck is he doing? Zena an ice cream. And he had like a plate of something too. He's just like helping himself yeah, kinda, to whatever. It kind of made it look like he was making himself dinner. But in the meantime, he was going to drink a Coke and eat this popsicle. <laughs> Why? Because it, it looked like he was trying to make pasta or something on the stove. And I mean, he's not even apologetic. Like I could have waited out in the hall, but he's like, but your neighborhood sucks. So maybe she does live in like the stabby stab part of town. She's got like six locks on her door, so it's not a nice neighborhood. Right. And, but it's just like, who breaks into somebody's house? And then he's going to offer her $50,000 for her psychic services right after this. He said he was scared to wait outside, so I guess there's that. But then he broke in Mm -hmm. and then just starts eating her food. That's just like, who does that? But either way, he offers him, he offers her $50,000, I guess, under the caveat that she has to get Goldblum on as well, because the next thing we see is her waving the 50 G's at Goldblum while his boss is trying to use him as a circus amusement for the investors of the museum. Yeah, when he starts talking about like, You're going to do the thing with the keys and the coins in a bowl with the cape and the hat. And I'm thinking this, I've, I've heard of these parties. This is where you magically draw somebody else's car keys out and then hope you don't get that guy. Yeah. And, uh, the guy who's already pitting out in the corner. Yeah. And you're like, Oh God damn it. Yeah. And then you look at all these investors and you're like, most of these dudes are men. Like, if we were going to do matchups, right? Like, do they get a say? Or is it just like, okay, today you are the experiment couple. Old people sandwich. Oh. So it's like he tells them a bunch of bullshit trivia about themselves, and then they all just lube up and start rolling around on each other. Yeah. It's like Harry likes, uh, I don't know. We can't use the word. We can't use Harry. Let's go with Greg because Greg is my favorite, right? No, Gary. Yeah. Gary was Gary, Gary my, my favorite go-to name there. So Gary, you know, he pulls a fast one and he puts his mom's keys in there. But his mom's also there. <laughs> she drove him. So she's. Oh, boy. So he's stolen her car keys and he's like. Yeah, just go wait over there in the cafe. So he's, you know, he takes her keys and he puts them in there. And he's like, I see a lover of cats. And he starts like telling him all this stuff, this weird stuff about his mom. Like, you have the dildo collection from the Hollywood sign 2008. But the one in the third one in the middle (laughs) needs to be replaced because it's about ready to break. (laughs) And he's like, those are my mom's keys. (laughs) I'm just this. And then Goldblum's like, wow, what a dirty trick you've played on me, I guess. <laughs> you brought your mom's keys to a museum orgy. Joke's on you. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> a 
okay, this this was going so much better in my head. <laughs> this this tricking the Jeff Goldblum guy. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, posed with this possibility of things that are about to happen like that, he's like, fuck it, I quit. I'm going with the 50 Gs to Ecuador. And this is basically when the movie starts. Right. And up to this point, my mom has lost interest and uh, has started doing the dishes behind me. And I've had to tell her several times now, hey, quit turning on appliances when I'm trying to watch this movie. I can't hear anything. Yeah, uh, this is about the time that Sandra got up and started doing laundry because she didn't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah, my mom is checked out at this point. Like, uh, I don't really care. She's like, do you want a beer? I'm like, Mom, I have to drive my son home. No. It's an odd reminder of how niche this podcast is <laughs> now that we have the COVID broke us up and we've figured out how to do it remotely well enough that we're just doing it remotely now. And that we're actually trying to force these movies on other people. And they're like, No. <laughs> And, you know, it's like I said, hey, I'll go home and I'll watch it at home by myself. Right. And she looked it up on on the prime and was like, oh, Jeff Goldblum. I like him. OK, yeah. And then she saw Warlock guy. So she was still in. And then between Warlock guy showing up and <laughs> this point in the movie, she has just kind of fucked off <laughs> like I'm still yeah. laying there eating nachos. Yes, that's right. I was at my parents' house mooching off of them, eating their nachos, laying on their couch. Uh, you know, and I'm like, how many nachos can I fit in my mouth at one time? Anyway, that is not the point of the story. So she's checked out. And, you know, my dad, I've, I've tried to get him to come in a couple of times from the yard. But he's like, no, now I need to go pick up poop. That's how bad my dad didn't want to watch this. He was he went outside to pick up poop at this point. Yeah. It's like, is this a Columbo movie? No. I'm going to go pick up dog shit. <laughs> yeah, later. <laughs> if this is a Columbo movie, I'll I'll wait on that. <laughs> oh, do you ever just lie sometimes when you're trying to get people to watch these with you and you're like, no, I've heard that I this don't. is going to be pretty exciting. So the reviews I read on IMDb made it seem like this has sort of got a following. And I think it does. I think that Cindy Lauper fans, there's a whole bunch of them and they like all of her shit. Mm -hmm. But there was a bunch of high reviews for this. And I'm like halfway through going, these people just love Cindy Lauper because this movie is really at odds with itself. Like they are delivering bad jokes well enough, but it's like the situation sometimes like betray the joke. Like the joke should work. Some of these jokes that Cindy Lauper is telling are funny. They're like Rodney Dangerfield one-liners and they're just not landing because the rest of the movie's like too bumpy around her. Yeah. It's almost like you're just kind of waiting for her sometimes to go, Hey, Oh, after she says something and you're like, that was funny guys. Come on. Yeah. And they're like, no, on to the next scene. I also think that, like, toning her down didn't work. And she complained about that afterwards. That they they were, like, in one of the promos for the movie, like, oh, these are, like, the clothes you'd wear. And she was like, no, I'd never wear that. It's too subdued. Like, they they, they turned me off. Like, they, they toned me down as much as they could tone me down for the movie. Like, she wanted to do her own hair and bring her own wardrobe. And she was probably right in thinking that that would have worked better. Yeah, I, I would think so, because it seemed like a lot of the stuff that she wore, and, and this is why I'm not like jumping on the costume board um, today for this movie, is because a lot of the stuff that she wore seemed like it was borrowed from other people. 
and it was ill-fitting and it didn't do much for her boobs and it was like they were trying to sex her up but then she just looked like a cheap walmart whore like a people of walmart type thing and i just expected yeah. like crazier makeup from her like she had some colored eyeshadow on but what i remember from her in the 80s is that you know she would have like these really big designs around her eyes you know her hair would have different colors in it and it you know it was just crazed like popping colors everywhere and it just seemed like she was just white trash yeah, she is, and I had to do it. I looked at images of her when I after I read that, and I started looking. She's just performance art, like all the time. She's always at eleven. She's always on, and her own costumes and what she wore did flatter her figure. The stuff they put her in made her look frumpy as hell. Yeah, and that's what I don't get because I, I like when I was watching this, I was like, you know, she. I just remember her being like kind of glamorous right like 80s glam and then it was did you borrow that dress from your older sister because you're not filling it out real well and this is supposed to be like a sexy dress right and then putting her in those weird silk pajama things when she's trying on dresses it was like that's what old people wear yeah it wasn't they didn't do a good job yeah it was like all right Anyway, let's let's start, let's let's keep rolling with this movie. Now we're in the yeah, action they sequences. Also, if I'm going to bitch about night, this was also when Goldblum's physique was about at the top of its form, and they were hiding from that a little bit too much. Like if you you really kind of wanted a shirtless Bloom at one point in this. You're, you're like a little something for the ladies. Exactly because you know they were in Ecuador. He could have taken off his shirt during hike. You know. It's not like, I, th- I think the, the could, sexiest he got was a tank top at the end. Yeah, he could have had it ripped off by an ornery alpaca. Yeah, the unpaca. Unsherta. Yeah. That guy, uh, <laughs> I'll stop her. Yes, we should. <laughs> We're giving away too much of the action before we get to the <sighs> to the storyline here of, of, of action. Uh, actually, this is Sandra's still in at this part, I realize, because she claims already that the, the guitarist, mm-hmm. the flamenco guitarist, she's like, this is going to be the best part of the movie. That guy can really play. And the guy could really play like he was a really good guitarist. And what an awesome instrument too! that Pearl. Uh, uh, no, it's not Pearl. It's um, abalone inlay yeah. on that guitar was amazing. So, I mean, like, that's when I knew that the action was going to start happening. Because that was the close-up yeah. shot, right when they get to when they get to Ecuador, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Some awesome. I forgot. Happen. I forgot to look up who that guy was to see if he was anybody. I didn't think it was Esteban because I feel like I know what Esteban looks like. The and drug uh, no, the guitarist Esteban. Esteban. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Check out Esteban. He's got lightning fingers. Um. There was also a weird Pontiac car that I wanted to look up, that station wagon. I was like, what the hell is that station wagon? Yeah, that they got in at the airport. Yeah. It, it was a weird car. It was like a really long gremlin is kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, they go to this dinner thing at the hotel. Uh, it's, it's 
if they they've, they've figured out that I think the scene before this is where they are on to Peter Falk. Harry is not been telling them the truth. They thought they were finding his long lost son. Now it's just some guy that he knows. Yeah, and they figure that out when he they give him. Well, when Jeff Goldblum turns into a cadaver dog. Yeah. And he's looking for the dead body with this shirt that this guy's worn. And, uh, you know, which direction would he go? And he does exactly what a cadaver dog does, right? He just kind of wanders around and then picks a direction and starts going. Yeah. And I'm like, do they have cadaver dogs in the 80s? They had to, right? Yeah, they've been using bloodhounds for ages. Yeah. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. But then it was like Cindy Lauper still seems like she's in in for it at this point when they when they're trying to bust him on it. Like, you know, this is not your son. Oh, it's my grandfather. It's not your grandfather. But I like the lie that he tried to tell about his mom marrying remarrying his high school buddy that he looked up in a year. Yeah. I was like, hey, man, if you're going to lie, that is like all in. Yeah. No, trust me, dude. Stan's my dad. He's also my bro. But not my real brother. We play what? We play basketball together on high school team. I bet those two were lousy at basketball. Oh yeah. But I mean, it just this whole sequence was, I, I, you know, I just felt like it kind of fell flat. Like we've been talking about, like these were some good, funny lines that that all three of them had at this point, and it just they just weren't playing well off of each other. So if you weren't paying attention, they just kind of went by the wayside. Yeah, it's funny. It's like a recurring theme in the Smabfas when we like pshaw the bad ratings of comedy because it's so hard to actually get the timing of a joke in a film because joke timing is hard enough as it is. Now you got all these other moving parts. But anyway, they've gone to dinner. She shows off her trick to like find rich guys. By being loud and obnoxious, but then mentioning a Rolls Royce, and then the guy's like, I know all about him, and she's like, I'm dating you now. You know, if I would have seen this movie in the 80s, and I could have learned that trick, probably would have saved me a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, Justin would not be married to me. <laughs> oh, no, he he drove he drove fancy cars. When Yeah, he would have been the asshole that would have known. Yeah, so I guess, I guess it still would have worked out exactly like it has. Yeah, pretty much. There would have been some of the other jackass and bogeys that knew about Rolls Royces would have been him. Yep. And he would have been like, do you have a Rolls Royce? I'm like, no, I'm driving a Geo Metro. Want to go get a beer? <laughs> He's like, we can take my back to the future Toyota because he had that at that time. Oh, he did? He had Michael J. Fox's Toyota from Back to the Future. Oh, my God. Up until he was about 27. But that's when... Uh... That's the one that you guys got stuck right out in the snow and you had to leave it all winter? Nope. That <laughs> thing was impossible to get stuck. <laughs> there was many adventures in that one. There was once where he jumped over a trailer park with us in the back of it and I had to grab a guy and throw him back in to the bed of the pickup in midair. Oh, my holy shit. See, listeners, yeah. you're, you're still getting some Justin stories in, even though he's not here. Even though he's not here, we'll regale it with, with tales of when he and I used to be Hillbilly mountain folk. Yeah, and then you move down to the big city. Yeah, the Flatlander thing is just still hasn't taken on me so well. It's uh, I've been trying it, it just doesn't stick. Uh so they she ends up going with 
this guy after she kisses Goldblum and like, oh, romance. But the romance isn't even sort of like hitting on screen. Well, because uh, they see um, not Pee Wee Herman guy, Swiss Army Knife. I'm just going to call him Swiss Army Knife. Uh, psychic guy with a flaming drink. And they're like, what the hell is that guy doing here? And they're like, we'll dance and figure out a story. But then they don't. Yeah, then they just make out in front of him. And he's like, so I guess I'm going to go now. He's like, this is weird and gross. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's like, God, this is so awkward. Because <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, it just seems like he's trying to keep his mouth shut as and, and as tight as possible. In the kissing scenes, it just mm-hmm. looks so strained, like not one ounce of your spit is going to get in my mouth. Well, we got to give him a hall pass on this because he's classically trained and you're supposed to basically just press your face against somebody else until the director tells you, nope, sorry, guys, you can't do the 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 right thing here. You need to suck on each other's faces. Oh, so he's not a Richard Chamberlain kind of guy. When we watched him in, um, what are those movies? Lost City of Gold. Yeah, when he's just swallowed. The Alan Quartermain yeah. movies? Yeah, the Alan Quartermain movies. Well, he had ulterior motives. Making people think he wasn't gay. Hmm. By sucking on the women's faces and grabbing their butts. See? Heterosexual. That's me, all right. <laughs> all of the women. Yeah, so... There's a bunch of tomfoolery that happens. Eventually, we find out this rich guy is the ambassador to Spain. Yeah, and, and and who is this guy? Because this guy has been in other stuff, too. I'm not seeing him on the cast list here. Like, I swear to God, he, he kind of looks like a Clive... Kloss Cutler? I don't know. He's, uh... Aharon Ipale. Okay, not not the guy I was thinking of. Uh, nope. The guy I'm thinking of has a much more English-sounding name. Clive. Good-looking. I can't remember. His... Clive Owen? Yeah, Clive Owen, there we go. He looks nothing like Clive Owen. Yes, he does, kind of. He's also, like, probably four inches shorter. Clive Owen's giantly tall. I like Clive Owen, though. And he kind of reminded me of Clive Owen, so I was like, wow, man, maybe this is a young Clive Owen. But no, apparently. Clive Owen looks younger than him now. And he's old. Well, he wasn't the ambassador to Spain. That's why he... (laughs) (laughs) Heavy is the hat that the ambassador to Spain to Ecuador wears. Yeah. I mean, he had a 15-minute meeting that he came out there for. What's he going to do the rest of the time? Yeah. Well, she's making nice with the uh, ambassador to Spain. We have... Barely more than a cameo by quality veteran actress Elizabeth Pena, who tries to stab Goldblum, but then falls to her death. That was a good one. Which, yeah, that was almost kind of funny. And especially like when they cut down to her body at the thing, you know, like, like the knives laying there, but you can only see one shoe. So it's like when she went for the lunch, did she lose her other shoe? And that's what caused her to fall over? Because for an assassin, that's pretty crap. That <laughs> you just kind of fell into a curtain and then over the balcony. Yeah, the knife is stabby enough. You don't have to use the weight of your body so much that you fall off of a balcony. Yeah, I can't stop running. Maybe this is her first gig, and it didn't go. It so It has well. to be. 
Yeah. She had the sexy time clothes, though. She did that pretty she good. She did have the sexy time. Yeah. Afterwards, he, like, realizes she's in danger, so he busts in. He sneaks in using his psychic powers on the room service to find out where they're at, which I don't think works. And uh, then he stops her from getting a really expensive gift and pisses off the ambassador and they get kicked out. But if you notice, the ambassador kept her dress. What's he doing with that? Same thing that hockey player was doing with Bloom's ex-girlfriend's panties. It's like, there was a hockey player smelling these panties. (laughs) (laughs) So you think the ambassador's like, oh, God, boob sweat. Gotta breathe it in. Yeah, no. Uh, They bitch to Harry. Harry's like, like, oh, "Oh, no. (laughs) You just start talking about something else. You're like, boob sweat. Yeah, I don't want to think about boob sweat. Uh, Moving on. Uh, There's some non-comedy that happens here between Harry and the two of them. And eventually they decide that they're going to go see the guy in the hospital. I'm going to kind of skip past some of this. They see the guy in the hospital. Um, He looks like... The ghost is able to make him come back too, I guess. Well, and he... They've got him dressed up, the hospital patient, right? Like, he's got white powder in his hair, and they've tried to make him look really pale. But it just looks like one of those cheap... I'm a spooky ghost at, like, a haunted mansion. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like they hit him with some Aquanet. Yeah. And that's called it good. And then baby powdered um, him right in the face. Like, they didn't sprinkle it on him. They just did that poof. And they're like, all right, we're done. Get in the bed. Yeah. Also, the nurse tells them that they can't go back there, but then they just go back there. She, like, yells at the guy and tells him she's going to kill him in that. <laughs> and he's like, we can't go back there unless we just walk back on our own. We're just looking for the bathroom and then we'll leave. I mean, that works all the time. Unless there's a locked door to things, I'm always trying to get in. Yeah. We don't really find anything out from this guy other than he slept with Harry's wife. Wives. uh, And wives, both of them. Yeah, yeah. But he has a a rock that Goldblum can use for his bloodhound powers, so they're ready to leave. However, the not Pee Wee Herman guy is already there threatening everybody with a gun, and he sort of shoots the nurse in the arm, and she just is minorly injured by that and then breaks a chair over him. Well, and this is one of the jokes that actually does work out pretty good in this movie is when Jeff Goldblum's like, your mom doesn't want you to shoot us, but if you're still in the killing mood, I'm sure another nurse will be around soon. (laughs) Yeah. Another nurse will be along shortly. (laughs) Yeah. And that was, that was, that one landed. And then we go into this weird thing where the ghost Louise is, channeling swiss army knives mom and she starts singing a swiss song yeah and and telling him stuff and then he gets just it's just all kind of weird like yeah he she's like i'm your mom and he's like mommy and then the nurse wwe's him with a chair fucking awesome yeah because it looked like a real chair So he's knocked out and they're like, okay, magic rock. And so they start making their way up the mountain. And uh, at this point, I believe Goldblum grabs 
Lopper's butt, and she's like, yeah, keep grabbing it. And the shot is long and awkward, and you're like, huh. Well, and that's not how you grab somebody's butt. Because he's, try- he's nope. trying to do it like, I'm helping you up, right? But his hand is the wrong way. So instead of his hand being up and the palm helping her up with, like, underneath her ass cheek, he's almost like, and I will grab something else between your legs as well, madam, as I mm. help you up. It was just really weird. Yeah. And then this is the point where my mom's like, do you want a beer again? And I'm like, no. She's like, if I'm going to wash this, I need a beer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So she got herself a beer. She sat down. Okay. So she's back. My dad is still. She's back in. Yeah. My dad is now playing wing with the dogs. The, uh. The movie had given Sandra a stomachache by this point, so she put the laundry in and then went upstairs and was just like, I'm going to lay down and be away from the movie. <laughs> it like made her tired, and she had to go take a nap. <laughs> Though the Swiss Army guy shows back up and kills Harry eventually. I think there's other stuff that happened, but it's not that relevant. And we get a really good eat shit Ben Kingsley out of, out of Peter Falk here. Oh, yeah. I just... Don't even remember what he said, but it was just like, he's never going to fucking die. He just keeps talking. Yeah. And then, and then, and then she's like, look, fucker, you only get two requests at the deathbed, okay? Just two. So which is it going to be? Number. Yeah. And then the film decides to become PG-13 because she just turns and goes, you're a miserable piece of shit. She nailed that. And you're like, she did. And it was totally a PG movie before that happened. Like, that's all that that does is make this movie one rating higher. Like, I don't get it. I wonder if she was talking to Goldblum. <laughs> like, she had to be looking at somebody with all that anger. Or the director. Yeah, she's- like, I'm really tired of this. Like, this is fucking ridiculous why why am i wearing high heels to climb up a mountain her pants change in this scene too which was a mistake Mm -hmm. she had a black skirt on and then later she's got leggings and denim shorts and there was never any time for her to change but it was like kind of made me wonder like did she complain about being cold at some point and they're like no you have to wear these sexy cut off shorts She's like, I'm freezing my ass off here. And it kind of, it just was like, all right. But then it also made it look like she had butt fur. Because the shorts were so frayed and the, yeah. the stuff was so fine. It was like, is that ass hair or nope, nope. Those are the shorts. Don't look, don't, nope, not ass hair. Just the yeah. shorts. Should have let her wear her own clothes. Yep. I think she should have. They should just remake this uh. movie. Return to Triangle Island. With well, the ending has like really left it open for a sequel, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, because now the warlock is back and you're like, of course, Julian Sands is the bad guy. Yeah, he's a warlock. He's a warlock. He has to be the bad yeah, guy. This is his origin story. And he has apparently was formerly in cahoots with the. Guy that got sucked into the pyramid, the guy that got uh, brain zapped by the pyramid, and Peter Falk, but they had uh, their their you their fellowship had fractured, I guess, 
And so now he's in league with the not psychic Ingo, who is dressed like the Ghostbusters, is he not? Yeah. It's, well, I, at first I was like, why is he in army fatigues, right? And then I realized, no, that's not army fatigues. Why is that so damn familiar? And it took me a little bit. And then I was like, who are you going to call? My mom's like, Ghostbusters! <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And uh, it's just, there, there's no motivation for any of this and how it all kind of works out and how Harry was involved. Like, they never talk about, like, how this all came to be. There's no, like, bad guy reveal. I feel like I kind of pieced together what was happening here in that I think the warlock find out about it from Columbo, but then he did some more reading in his ancient texts, I guess, mm -hmm. and was able to decipher that this, this, you know, psychic relic of ultimate psychic power, whereas Columbo just thought it was a bunch of gold. True. And I mean, I in Columbo's defense, right? The, his partner did bring back one piece, one slab of architecture, right? From the thing. Yeah. And from what I could see, it had a giant penis on it. I thought it was a guy's head. It was like a guy's head and body with a giant wiener. Oh, I didn't see the giant wiener. It was only in one shot. And it was really. I think you're just on, you're just on the lookout for wieners. I, I am on a wiener lookout. Like, <laughs> it's just one of the things. Okay. I'm, I'm a pervert and I'll just admit that now, but sometimes like, Yeah. I'm on the wiener lookout and I'm like, that statue has a wiener. <laughs> and then I'm like, this movie rocks 10 stars. 10 stars. Is this, is this... How many wieners? Plenty. <laughs> yeah, does this show have a wiener in it? Then 10 stars. <laughs> Invisible Man, 10 stars. There's a wiener in it. <laughs> but it has to be a human wiener. It can't be like a dog wiener. Or... I'm not into those kind no. of wieners. You're not into Red Rockets? Yeah, no, I'd... only people wieners. And maybe an alien wiener if it's awesome. If if it's like a people wiener, yeah. <laughs> and you could like you'd be like that alien has a people wiener. <laughs> yeah, that would look at it. That'd be cool. Like you could tell that he's got a costume on, but then they cut a hole for his wiener to hang out. Like that's a person wiener. <laughs> that's a malfunction of the wardrobe wiener. I can see it clearly in the outline of that spacesuit. So, so they, are uh, we on the hike now? Where the, uh, the reveal of the villainy and that now that Harry's dead, his team is no more. All that's left of it's Bloom and Cindy Lauper and Team B, which is Ingo, the Warlock, and Carl, because that's the guy's name. And you cannot forget Carl, because Carl's got a necklace on like a lady that says Carl. He's got one of those Carl. those like trendy teenager necklaces with your name on it. He's got to be like a B-League mercenary because Carl seems like he means business, but he also is wearing a necklace with his own name on it. And he sells uh, 10, 10 trinkets in town when he's not, you know, he's, try he's got a side hustle, too. I think that was his it was a cover as his cover. I think that he's in his basement making those and he's like, today I'm going to sell like five of these because I don't have any assassinations to do. 
So they eventually make it up to the light at the top of the lost city, and there's some deciphering. Both Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum, because of their superior psychic prowess, know everything there is to know about this thing. And Ingo doesn't know shit because he doesn't actually have psychic powers, but he's going to be able to decipher the tablets eventually. So they're, they decide to just kill the two psychic people. But not uh, kill them. First... But not Let's kill separate them. them. They, Maybe they'll they'll crack, yeah. and one of them will help us. I'm thinking that, and we'll monologue until one of them tells us how to go faster than Ingo, because he's just pretending like he knows what's going on. Yeah, here. he's just scraping the rock with a dentist tool. Like it's almost, um, I've almost got it figured out. Really, because you've got a broken piece of rock in front of you. And you're kind of just staring at the same corner. You're not making your way around the shrine reading this stuff. You're like, I don't want to get shot in the head. So, yeah. Okay, it says to touch it and see what happens. <laughs> uh, as they're separated, I think the only joke that landed for me is told when Carl <laughs> tells Goldblum that he's about to shoot him. And he's like, where do you not want to get shot? And he goes... Ecuador or South America. <laughs> that was a good one too. And that was a good one. And I like how the um trying to use Louise to channel because Cindy Lauper at this point has Astral projected out of her body so she can go say goodbye to Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. And her and Louise are on the on this thing and they show up and he's talking to her. And Carl starts getting a little nosy and he's like, do that thing that we did with Swiss Army knife. And so she channels his dad, Carl's dad, and Carl just beats mm-hmm. the ever-living shit out of him. He's like, you are a terrible dad. You freaking tie me up in the pink chair. And it's like, you know that it's kind of supposed to be kind of funny. But the way he delivers it is like really sad. It's really sad. And he's like, burrito. And he's like, only my father called me burrito. I fucking hate my dad. He locked me in the shed and beat me. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Bad move. And he's like, I always wanted to get my revenge, but he died before I could. And I'm like, oh, like, it just, it just sounded like so, it made me feel bad for Carl, honestly. I felt bad for Carl. Yeah, like. And then I felt like Carl wasn't all that great of a mercenary because Jeff Goldblum punches him once and he's out. Well, that too. But before that, you know, like this whole story. It's like, that's the one character you actually know something about. And you're like, oh, poor Carl. Like, dude, I'm kind of rooting for you now. Yeah, Carl is easily the most identifiable character in the movie. Uh, Goldblum gets the machine gun, runs back up the hill, stops the astral projection of Cindy Lauper by kissing her. Then comes up with the most dubious plan ever. Just hike back into town and go get somebody to help me. I will keep a machine gun on these guys for the next three days. And that's when the warlock goes. Machine guns are actually pretty tricky to to handle. And it's like he's going to walk. Like he takes a step forward. Like he's going to show him how to do it. And then Jeff Goldblum just blows it up in the air. He's like, this is not that difficult. It's not that hard. He's like, because the safety was off and I don't have to find it. So neener, neener. Cat got your wiener. Yeah. Real tricky. Bullets come out of this end. (laughs) But he didn't count on Carl not having a glass jaw 
So right after Cindy Lauper leaves, Carl shoots Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. In the leg, right? Somewhere where it only, yeah, I guess it's the leg because it's a, it's a minor hindrance to him. Yeah. Because at first I was like, did he get shot or was that just like he got, okay, maybe, I think he's shot. Okay. Because like they never talk about it, like nobody's trying to like bind up his wounds or anything. It's just, yep. Yeah. Bleed out, motherfucker. And he's really sort of, he's in pretty high light spirits, even though he's just been (laughs) shot. He's smiling, still being very bloomy. Yep. Uh, Cindy Lauper comes back and there's a lot of yelling. And eventually she activates the psychic powers of the pyramid and starts spitting psychic gibberish, pyramid gibberish. And the rocks are all shaking and everybody's scared and. Eventually, the warlock decides to leap underneath a giant stone falling head. There was about 10 ways for him to avoid being killed this way, and he decided to choose the manner of his own demise. Yep. It was like, watch. uh, uh." (laughs) He's just. Or hold on for a second. You missed me with that rock. I'll move to the only place where it could kill me. Yeah. Obviously in an archway right now that I would be fine, but I'll just take three steps back. There's a bunch of magic, I guess. And eventually Louise goes into the pyramid to pry Cindy Lauper off of the pyramid. And that works. But Louise is now gone. And then later, Lopper says that she's in a higher plane of existence now. So apparently Louise has become a, a universal super being. Yes. So when she goes to go register for Scientology next week, they're going to be like, there's no aliens. No, she's one of the aliens. If you have Louise, you have the highest midichlorian count at gold base or something like that. Yeah, but she doesn't have her anymore. And she was like, and this is where the gold, they try to like roll back in the gold room because they're like, she's like, it it was this gold room and everything around me was gold. And then there was this bright light and Louise went towards the light. Okay. And then you let go of the giant triangle. And I like how the triangle keeps getting bigger and bigger as the rocks are falling off of it. And like, okay, like now everybody's going to fucking know where this place is because now there's not just like this little beacon of light. It's huge. It's huge light. Like, what's that light over there? Let's go check it out. It's apparently all the psychic power on Earth. Yeah. What do we do? I guess we touch it and die. This thing doesn't really seem to be very useful. Yeah. And if you're not a psychic, that's that's how you weed out the Madame Calypso's of the world. You'd be like, if you're a real psychic, touch this triangle. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. Because it kills non-psychics. What was the lady that was on the TV at night? The commercials. Madame Celeste. No, Madame Celeste was the pizza. Mama Celeste. That was pizza. Yeah. It wasn't psychic. No, it was a war. I'm not Warhol. It was um, Celine. I don't know. Whatever. Some there was. a Yeah, we, we don't remember the psychic lady. We do all remember J.G. Wentworth, though. 877 cash now. Yep. 
best best jingle ever. Yeah, I- uh, they go back to the hotel room. Madam um, Cleo, I, Madam Cleo, there you go. Uh, there's some points where Goldblum's like, "Are you sure you don't want me to like be your boyfriend?" And she's like, "I don't know." And then they decide that they love each other or whatever. And he bonks her head, and now she can see Frank- Harry. So that's like the lead into the sequel. Ew. I don't, I, no, because Harry is a dirty old man who, who's like, well, Jeff Goldblum wouldn't sleep with you in the tent, so I'm going to chase after you and be like, hey, I'll sleep with you. And then he keeps referring to it. So you can only imagine how cringy it's going to get. This is a unique ending of a film where when it happens, it's like, this is the source of all of the questions that we're probably going to ask about this movie because it's like, okay, wait, Harry's now the ghost bud because he's not going to be useful at all. No, he's an asshole and he's a liar. You're never going to know when he's telling the truth about something. Yeah, he's going to be like, take off your bra and then I'll tell you. It's yeah. going to turn into a sex sexploitation ghost buddy thing and it's going to be weird it's going to be and weird he's going to try to take over somebody else's body to have an experience wait that's ghost not uh but it could turn into a creepy hairy ghost thing it's yeah they can't go and then what sort of adventure would they have next as harry as their ghost bud sidekick uh sea dragons I'm thinking it goes to the horse track. It's going to be some harebrained scheme that Harry came up with. Does he know of Morris ancient gold? Probably not. Well, I mean, no, Harry's a low life piece of shit that doesn't not cultured and doesn't know anything. And honestly, fell ass backwards into his last gig, right? Where he's like gold city. Yeah. And, Unless something like that comes along, he's just hanging out being a drunk ghost. Maybe let's give Harry the benefit of the doubt, because now he's in the next plane of existence, that he can hustle around and find out stuff from the other ghosts and be a minor of minor use. So now he's a mafia ghost, because that's the kind of ghost that Harry would talk to. Yeah, or just any other, like... He's, yeah, he's just got his ear to the ground. And they're like, what'd you find out? And it's just bullshit. It's all really low-level criminal bullshit from ghosts. And in the end, does she end up just, like, going back to Psychic Triangle so that she can get rid of Harry? Like, maybe that's the next movie. Revisiting, and you can't get there fast enough because Harry isn't total and complete rapey dude yeah so she has to you know, put him in there is this just like is the sequel to this ghostbusters where they go round up ghosts and then put them in this thing and and if you're only doing one ghost at a time that's, that's a long this is a shitty job yeah because you're not always going to get a louise or if it's like uh the warlock says, and that 
if the psychic receptives can eventually use the power of that to become an ultimate super being, how long do they go before they start Highlandering each other? With people like Harry, not very long. Not very long. He's whipping out his wiener doing a helicopter dance for everybody, and they're like, Harry? And they're like, that's it, Highlander! <laughs> I'm not. That's not really what happened in Highlander at all, but they just cut each other's heads off. But Unts, and Queen. get it? They cut his head off because he was helicoptering. You fell right into it, yeah. Sam! Yes! <laughs> do you feel dirty like I tricked you I think there was a moil joke in there somewhere but I couldn't grab it <laughs> so basically now that this thing is out and about or maybe they just kicked some dirt on it at the end and we didn't see that part so they tried to cover it up with sticks they're like nobody will even see it yeah do you have any other questions that we haven't flushed out How does Je uh, the Jeff Goldblum character, right? If if yeah. every time he touches something, he knows something. Like, how does that work? Like, there's no secrets. There's, I touched your journal and now I know everything that's in here. Would his head just blow up if he touched a penny from 1963? Yeah. Like... I got some, you know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, basically, what do they do with that light thing? What do they do with the light thing? Like, what, how can you, what happens to that next? It's been unearthed. It's a giant beacon of evil power, I guess. It's just sitting there. It's also really bright. What the fuck is going to happen with that thing? Yeah, it's like, they just kind of. Fucked off. Well, I guess they didn't leave Ecuador yet. So no. maybe they're going to go up there and try to do some stuff. And I mean, it's grateful that they haven't left Ecuador yet because they're obviously going to have to take Harry back up there. Yeah, you don't want to have him as your ghost, bud. Right. Uh, but yeah, like, did I'm thinking like, you know, when you're a kid. And you've got a secret treasure and then you put like pine needles and dirt over the top of it and hope nobody else finds it. Do you think that that's what they did? Because that's kind of... There's not enough. They've got really unearthed. It's like a whole light pyramid of light and psychic power. It's probably got like a big ray shooting into the heavens that everyone can see now, like a waypoint. And it's evil. So basically, the governments are all going to get involved and... The yeah. low level, level, you know, this is going to turn into one of those minion things where it's like, you're low on the food chain, go touch it and see what happens. Yeah. Nothing good happens on Earth after this. Yeah. It's a lot of weeding out the psychics, witch hunting to make them touch it so that they can try to control it. Until aliens come and blow it up because it's too dangerous for humans to have. Or it's just shining into their bedrooms at night and they're tired of it. Tired of it. But I don't have any more questions. Okay. Well, that'll leave us to fr leave us with final recommendations. I picked this movie, so go ahead and go first. Okay. I'm going to give it a do. Um, just kind of entertaining. Well, okay. The first part of it really super sucks. But then once you get to Ecuador, 
it kind of gets a little campy and fun and I did enjoy it. It was maybe I enjoyed it because my mom was drinking so heavily and making fun of it as we were going, but um it's a good riffer and I did I didn't think it was so terrible that I wouldn't recommend it. Like it was it was kind of fun. If you enjoy jokes that fall flat and beer. Yeah. It is a riffer. I'm going to have to give it a don't, but it's like a 49% don't. It's so close to a do. I feel like if you're a Cindy Lauper fan, you've already done it a couple times, and that's where it's got such loving reviews on IMDb, because a lot of people really like the adventure, apparently. Um, there wasn't quite enough for me to really enjoy it. I will say that I didn't have to pause it one time, so that's a merit point up for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song at the end is something else. I've got a hole in my heart all the way to China. I was really praising her as a songwriter prior to the lyrics of that one. And which doesn't really match up with the movie because they were in Ecuador. Ecuador. <laughs> and they keep saying Ecuador like a bunch. It was a B-side that she just gave them. Oh, okay. So, like, I guess she didn't have the nicest time with this movie. And it's weird with the Cindy Lauper fan base because this is really the biggest vehicle she ever got. So other than that, it's like she comes back and plays a psychic on bones and she did some other side roles and she's still working in, you know, everywhere, movies, TV, Broadway, music, all of it. But this was the only time they tried to like make her the superstar of a movie and it just fell flat. And, you know, I I don't completely blame her for that. I think that, like you said about the wardrobe thing, I think that that could have been a turning point for this movie. But I also felt like there, when they did the casting, they didn't, they, there was no chemistry there between any of the cast members. They were all disconnected and they just wanted it to be over. You could just feel it throughout the entire movie. And you could feel Cindy Lauper like trying to, hang on to some kind of momentum throughout the film, right? Like, come on guys, we can, we can make this movie. Let's get it done. And everybody else is like, yeah, I fucking hate you. Shut up. And from a marketing standpoint, they took out like everything that makes her, her when they decided to tone her down. And it's like, that's, you can't tone her down. What makes her, her is that she's all the way up. Yeah. And Maybe with Bloom, they were trying to match that energy that she had, but but mm-hmm. but they're so different that he kind of brings her down. Yeah, with the three of them, that they Falk has the energy as well, but it was like a triangle pulling away from each point. Right. Maybe I don't recommend this movie. Many of you, I, I. I there's a lot of people that liked it on IMDb, so you're not the only one that said do to this. That's why I picked it, because I was like, oh, this looks like it's going to be fun just based on the reviews. And I was like, I think a lot of people really like Cindy Lauper. This movie is just okay. And maybe I shouldn't give it a, a, a do, because, you know, my mom watches a lot of crap. Like, straight-to-video bullshit that nobody should be watching, right? And she had a drink. She can sit through an asylum yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. And she had to drink beer to get through this one. Yeah. And then at the end of it, she started cooking lunch. Which almost makes it a do for me, because your mom had to get drunk to finish it, because it's like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, she's like, you want a beer? And I'm like, I gotta go home. 
Oh my God, if I were you, I'd be drinking a beer. It's like, hey, quit being a beer pusher, okay? Like, I guess I want a beer. But am I going to get one? No. Because I have to stop at the pizza place on my way home. And I don't want them to smell the beer on me. And tattle on me to the police. I mean, if I was just driving around a CUNA, it probably wouldn't matter because, you know, yeehaw. Well, I think we should leave it at a sort of don't and a sort of do. Yeah. It's like there's a 51% and a 49%, which is like this thing's basically just a wash. Uh, that is the show for the week. I believe Justin's back the next week. Are you going to be back back next week or no? Uh, I'm going to try. I'm, 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 I'm trying okay. to make more of an effort to make arrangements so that I can be on the show more because I do enjoy it now that I don't have to do it all the time. I like, you yeah. know, it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, man, this is like every week. And then you can't do it and then you're like oh oh no i need to do this show <laughs> like i'm enjoying myself again i'm ready to do it it was a little grindy when we were doing it the way we were doing it though because we had to meet and it would kill the whole day doing it remotely we've taken hours out of how much how long this thing takes yeah but you know i i do miss the pig out sessions that we'd have during the movies you know where we'd get like pizza yeah. and Kentucky Fried Chicken and everybody would just eat till they were sick. (laughs) My pant size doesn't miss that. Oh, mine either. Yeah. All right, that's the show. Uh, For Jackie, I am Sam, and we will be back next week with more Stinker Madness. Stinker Madness.